Hey, this is Maria from Nobody's Princess, and I'm in Australia where we ski upside down, and you're listening to Tim from Ski Rex Media. That's right, from Australia where they ski upside down. How funny is that? When she first said it, it made me laugh and it makes me laugh now. Hi everybody, I am Tim from Ski Rex Media, welcoming you to another Ski Rex Media podcast, doing the intro with a jacked up voice still because I can't seem to get over this stuff. You know what? I'm going to try and get some sympathy from you. That's right. That's what I'm going to do right now. You see, some of these episodes, all of my episodes are pre-recorded as we know. I record them way in advance and then I release them on Wednesdays and Sundays. Now, this one was one of my first for this season. Might have been my first for this season, so it was well over a month ago. Well over a month ago, and even then, talking to Maria down there in Australia, I was not feeling great, and now I'm still jacked up. But, like I say, if I can get it done now, then I won't have to deal with it for the rest of the season, and then it'll just be a better season all around. Am I right? Who knows? Who knows if I'm right or wrong? Uh, it's actually probably a stupid thing to say. How do you get over, do your sicknesses now like you have a choice? It's a dumb thing to say, but it makes me chuckle, and it's kind of awesome. And, you know, even then, though, we had a great conversation, even though I was under the weather. That's right, I'm whining. I'm whining. Uh, <laughs> okay, enough of that. It's not as funny as I think it is. So when Maria and I talked uh, when she was down there in Australia, well, she's from Australia, so... Of course, she was talking to me from Australia. We uh, we had a great episode. Uh, we got out a lot of information about her company, which was the goal. And then we just were talking skiing and traveling and snowboarding and all of it. Really good episode. A lot of fun. I think you'll enjoy it. But before we enjoy this episode, and I'm sure you will, let's talk about Whaleback Mountain, my home mountain, Whaleback Mountain in Enfield, New Hampshire. So easy to get to, so wicked accessible. It practically sits on the interstate. If you're driving along on I-89 in New Hampshire through Enfield, you will see Whaleback Mountain hanging out there, and it's right off of Exit 16 off of I-89. So easy to get to, so much fun to ski. Everything you could ever want. They have the natural stuff. They have the groomed stuff. They have your trees. They have your steeps. They have rental gear. They have people who can teach you how to do it. They have everything you could ever want in a mountain right there. All kinds of fun stuff in a small package. Great, great mountain. This season, brand new surface lift going in to get you everywhere you need to be on the mountain sooner easier get you around pretty easy it's going to be awesome and also new for this season whaleback is a full indie pass partner so if you are an indie pass holder you have two days waiting for you at whaleback mountain head off the highway as you're driving by and check it out whaleback mountain ski it to believe it and let's not forget that coming up in a few weeks is the Snowbound Expo. Once again this year, Ski Rex Media is partnering with the Snowbound Expo, the biggest snow sports expo for families, skiers, and riders, bringing incredible athletes and Olympians to share their stories and all the coolest brands together for you to shop. 
You'll see free entertainment for the family all weekend, including the Mega Indoor Slope. Very cool. Skate to Ski with Rollerblade. Very cool. Try Nordic Skiing at the Cross Country Experience. Get selfies with folks. Get your swag. Enjoy the Opre Ski and so much more. The Expo is happening from November 3rd through the 5th at the Boston Exhibition and Convention Center. Get discounted tickets for the Snowbound Expo using the code SKIREXMEDIA, all one word, and join me and so many, many others in Boston for the Expo. I will see you down there. Now, as I said in the intro, I have talked to people from far away. The UK, shout out to our UK friends. I talked to Benjamin Alexander when he skied for uh, Jamaica for the first time and he was in Finland. And now I've gone even further. I've gone all the way around the world. And today we are talking to Maria Baker, who's down there in Australia. Dude, how you doing? I'm not too bad. A bit warm, which is sad for this time of the year, but otherwise, okay. You see, that's very interesting because it's very warm here, too, in in the great state of Vermont. We're getting a little mini-o heat wave for that last little oomph because it's been pretty mild this season. I mean, we've been flooding for three months, but that's okay. You know, we know how to swim. That's cool. So how is it down there? How How is it down? And before we get into who you are, how how's it looking down there? It's warm. Do you still have at least a little winter left? It's not quite over, right? Uh, look, I think, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with the term when the fat lady sings, but the fat lady's starting to sing. So, um, mm. a lot of our resorts, so we've got three or four ma- major ones in Melbourne, Victoria here, and one's already sure. shut. Um, and most of them have closed off most of the runs in the mountain. They're just doing the the ones that they can easily push snow around to to kind of keep the base up. But we're we're down to like, you know, three foot bases. Like, no, wait, my metrics is all wrong. 30 centimeters. What's that? A foot. We're down um, to a foot of bases. Yeah, yeah, it's about a foot. It's about a foot. Yeah. It, it, so, let me tell you something. I can do the t- conversion, but it takes me a second. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, so, a, it's yeah, around today's, a finish. Today's about 21 degrees Celsius. So the sun's out and, you know, as much as it's nice for a bit of warmth, it's a bit sad because really we should be getting another month, you know, normally. So, Ooh, um, yeah. Burn. yeah. See, that's kind of rough here in my part of the U S we, we had, a, we had that problem. You know, our winter was very, it wasn't a lot of snow. There was a last big push at March. We got like a three foot hit and, uh, and someone else do the math on that for the metric folks. I'm sorry. I'm not feeling well today, yeah. everybody. Oh that's my goodness. Yeah, uh, we uh, we did. We got a bit of an early season two here, and we got really excited. But then we've literally had no snow for over a month. And there is a little bit yeah. forecast actually for a fortnight, but everyone's sort of. Um, I think everyone's already a bit jaded and doesn't believe it's actually going to come. <laughs> but the biggest issue comes down to staffing, and you know when the resorts start to shut, they send their staff home, and so even yeah. if that big snow does come through, no one's there to turn the lifts. So it's it's a back. It's a backcountry paradise, but um, sure. for the resort riders, uh, it's all over. That's a shame. Well, you know what? For as long as the staff can come up to the U.S., I've worked with several people from Australia and New Zealand in the ski industry who come up during our time of the year, and uh, we had a lot of fun with them, and uh, from South Africa as well, you know, because the hemisphere switch, everyone. You know yeah. how that works. Yeah. Awesome. Well, that's cool. 
We're talking to someone in Australia at ground level, and that's going to be kind of awesome because I don't trust mainstream media anymore, including the weather media. I don't trust them either. <laughs> like you have people down there that are jaded. I am too. I'm like, I'll believe it when I see it. I'll know how much snow we have when I look out the window. It'll be fine. Exactly. So, exactly. We'll come back around to that because we're going to, we're going to see if we can sell some of your product here in the U S because I, <laughs> I hadn't heard of it until now. Here's the beauty. This season on on Ski Rex Media Podcast, there's there's going to be several people that are on because of the NASJA repost of a social media post I did. I said, hey, anybody got any ideas or anybody want to volunteer um, to be a Ski Rex Media Podcast guest? I says, whoever wants to. And then the, the uh, wonderful folks at NASJA reposted that and I started getting people. And I'm not 100% sure Maria come from that, but I think it was a roundabout way from that or maybe that direct. I can't remember. Um, so it, it, it worked out that she's here and I had never heard of her until then, you know, and I don't mean that in a bad way, you know, to say I've heard of everything in Australia would be the most arrogant thing I've ever said. And I've said some arrogant stuff. Believe me, I used to be bad, bad when I was a younger man. <laughs> Most arrogant person I knew. So with that said, let's get into who you are and what you do. Go ahead. Right. So, yeah, I'm Maria Baker and I run Nobody's Princess, which is a women's focused snow apparel brand. Um, I myself am not a lifelong snow person. I actually only started about seven years ago when I was 30 um, and I struggled finding gear. I struggled finding pants that fit because of my body shape. And, you know, I'm about a U.S. size 10. Um, so I think, you know, mid-size is the label. Um, and I'm nearly six foot tall, so I struggled so much. And um, after a few years, you know, the opportunity came through COVID, amazingly, that I could start this business. And through Kickstarters and crowdfunding, it actually came into fruition so I'm making size and shape and height inclusive snow gear, which started with pants and next year is going to expand into bibs and jackets too. Very interesting and very excellent. It's excellent that you got it going through crowdfunding. Wonderful, uh, wonderful resource. Many people have put it to good use. Now, I did many years in retail before Skirex Media became a thing. <clears throat> Excuse me. And so I get that women's clothes, like you say, a U.S. size 10. Now, I'm not a woman. Uh, I don't shop for women. I don't shop for myself. I'm a T-shirt and jeans guy, <laughs> so just send it to me and I'm good. Um, but I do know from working in retail and whatnot that one company's size 10 is another company's size 9 is another company's size 12. It's an odd thing in women's apparel that... I, I don't understand the sizing system. I don't claim to. I always looked at it. I was like, this is dumb. I need 32, 4, 6, 8. Why can't women just do 32, 6, 4, 8? Oh, it would be I so much it. more easier. But I think there's always this, you know, stigma about the number you wear, which is really horrible. You know, media has criticized women that don't wear a size zero or size two. Um, and, you know, it, it does, it plays on you. So I think companies do try and sort of um, skew it. But it's funny because I think for all my experience, it goes the wrong way. You usually have to buy bigger than what you really are, not smaller. I feel like if companies were smart, they'd be making a size two, a size zero and making a size 10, a size eight. And, you know, just to really like, or, you know, the other way around, just to really like oomph up your uh, ego and your confidence. But yeah, it's all over <laughs> the shop. And that's especially true through the like, snow apparel like worldwide 
um, you know, I think it's even worse for snow and ski gift, especially for women, you know, they're having to buy two, three sizes up because of their body shapes and what they need to fit. And yeah, it, it's insane. It, I find it insane. <laughs> It is very odd, and it, it's it is something. Again, I am a fashion victim. I know nothing, and that's not just from fashion. I want to look good. That's from practical fashion. I don't know anything. You know, I'm, I'm wearing a T-shirt that's 20 years old, literally. Yeah, but you but you, you still like that T-shirt because it fits you well, right? Like that's why you I keep do. wearing it. And that I do, issue. and it's I'm lazy. Not always about fashion. It's just about good fit. And that's the thing, though. Good. Bit. And that's what I was getting into because I've heard this before, not just in retail. Again, that's a whole other thing. You know, if someone wants to talk retail, I can do that. I was in the business for years and years and years. I come over to back into the ski industry and, you know, I'm talking to women who are like, you know, I'm not trying to be an uber feminist. I was like, well, you don't have to because you're not like, what are you saying to me? I says to him, <laughs> like, it's just jokes. And uh, but they're like, no, for real, though, like a woman's body has you know it's built different, different. Yeah. exactly so it's not just the pants it's um like uh base layer tops um Correct. it's like undergarments it's like you know it's jackets the whole thing yeah like if you measure me in the upper body it's gonna come out someone completely different even if i can look a woman dead in the eyes i'm almost six foot tall about 1.82 meters for you for you metric folks see i know <laughs> that one yeah but like i'm about like that it. tall and I, which means Marie and I can almost look each other in the eye. We're very close, but you measure her up and you measure me up. You're going to get two completely different things. I don't care if you use standard or a, not standard imperial metric, whatever it is. Exactly. But you found a way to solve the, well, you're trying to solve the issue in your own way and you're making money doing it. I've got That's a pretty beautiful. good, I don't know if I'm doing the making money part yet, but I'm doing a, well, a pretty decent job of solving it so far. Yeah. It's a, it's a learning and a growing experience. Like that's for sure. Excellent. So what's the process? Do you just look at yourself in the mirror, get out the sketchbook and the tape, the measuring tape, or did you talk to people? Did you research? Oh did you do all this yeah, stuff? All of that. So I think from the time that I officially launched with a website and an Instagram to just start getting the name out there to actually having a product on shelf was nearly three years. It was a big process. Wow. Um, and there was a lot of research. So I think like, obviously the frustration started with me because I couldn't find stuff and like, okay, I'd find the pants and they'd fit my hips and I'd have the huge waist gap and they were like sure. three inches too short. And so I looked like a toddler who had outgrown their clothes with my like snowboard boots <laughs> on and um, all those awesome. sorts of things. And I ripped heats in my pants through the crotch because the tights were too hip. They're like the hips were too tight. The tights were too sure. hip. The tights were way too hip. Um, Wicked hip. You know, I'd, I'd bend over and do up my bindings and like, like gone. And I did yep. like three pairs. And I think like, because I'd talked to my friends about it, even the ones that were smaller than me, the ones that were like a size six or a size four, they actually still had the same problems. Like mm -hmm. it wasn't just a size thing. It was a shape and a fit thing. Um, totally. So yeah, I did a ton of research. Um, I was working in travel during COVID and I got stood down because travel obviously came to a halt. And so I yeah. did a ton of researching. I did net, a lot of networking. I talked to different designers and like technical apparel designers. And I did huge surveys. Like um, there's a really big community in uh, Australia. And I think it actually extends into the US a bit called Miss Snow It All. Um, and it's a Facebook community group who's just huge, like, you know, 90,000 members. And then there's another female centric one that's like 30, 40,000 members. And 
Mm. Um, she was, Rachel was lucky enough to let me put the surveying on her Facebook groups um, and get all this data and this info. And I asked all the questions. I said, you know, where do you, you know, what pants do you have that are good and why do you like them? And, you know, if you do struggle with your pants, where are you struggling? And, you know, if you rip your pants, where are you ripping them? And what do you want to see more in pants? And what do you want to do? And it was all those things, right? And sure. I actually asked people for their measurements too. I said, what, what size do you identify as? What size do you think you are? And what are all your measurements? What, you know, if you're comfortable with it, it's your belly button and your hip and your bum and your thigh and your knee. And I got all this data. I got so much data. And then pairing that with some of the stuff that's available online too, um, sort of started working on grading and change, you know, what are these sizes going to look like? And so something I'm really like, proud to say and obviously it's going to be more skewed towards australian sizes is that like the, the, the gear i'm making is really true to size like i don't think there's been many instances at all where i haven't gone hey what size pants do you wear not ski gear but just normal pants sure. grab them that size and they've put them on and it's great so yeah i i did a lot of research like hours and hours and i joined every like facebook community and reddit thread you could think of and forum and just drilled for info because I just wanted to take every frustration that was around and, and squash it. I just wanted these to be the best pants ever. <laughs> awesome. No, that's, that's awesome. That's perfect. That's exactly what you should do. And that's what I was going to get into. Like, if you said, no, I didn't do any research. I'll be like, all right, then what are you doing? Um, but the research there, and again, this granted, I am Tim from ski Rex media. We talk skiing, snowboarding, snow sports. But as I said, I have a retail background. So that all interests me too. all the research, all the data, all the, you know, manufacturing and logistics and what all that stuff that that was my thing. Logistics. That's my thing. So yeah, all that think, interests me. I think my Go background, ahead. like I'm always a, a, a pro I've always been a problem solver. Like that's been my biggest thing. So I think the the perk was that there was there were so many brands on the market already and i could see that they were just doing the same thing over and over and over again and how they were doing their pants so i'm like right like the i'd say stubborn everyone calls me tenacious to be nice but the stubborn part of me went right i've got to do this again awesome. but differently i've got to do it differently because otherwise it's just going to be the same thing again and i think that's what sort of sets them apart too and see that's very interesting too because you would think you have these larger manufacturers worldwide well-known manufacturers that have they should have all the data in the world already they have all the research and development money mines equipment that you need it should have been done like we shouldn't be having this conversation you and i no because this should never no. have happened right i right. mean am i wrong no you're so, not you're not and and the thing is they've kind of tried but i think they just don't listen they think it's too much of a minority group but but, it, but it's not like the numbers are there they are. And, and the thing is, it's like I say to everybody, you know, well, at least in the U.S., you know, people talk about snow sports in the U.S. And I'm like, yeah, you know, for us on a weekend, traffic's backed up for 45 minutes and there's lines and whatever. But on a, in a grander scale, you know, snow sports aren't popular. No, but we are we are out here. And I, I, ho I hope that the companies that live and die by snow sports understand that, too. Um, so you got you got this done. And I like the way you did your research. You did it yourself. The problem, I think, with corporate research is that it is done through focus groups. It is done with generic wide survey, you know, and these things can give you good general idea. I mean, <clears throat> excuse me, general ideas. But you went more specific 
by going to people, talking to people, lots of yeah. people, three it was, years. It was the women that were like crying for it. It was the ones that were already struggling and the ones that weren't too, like it was a mixed bag. But I think even when you do a focus group, you can still very much nitpick where your results are coming from. It's, it's totally, it's, it's, it's a, it's a mixture, but it's a, it's a selected mixture, you know? It, it really is. Um, there is a lot of, you can, you can stack the deck. Even if you don't yes. mean to, you kind of do. Correct. So that kind of stinks. So you went and you did your research, you got everything made. You're now getting into manufacturing and testing. So yep. now manufacturing, did that happen small? Did that happen large? That's well, a quick that, question. That's where the Kickstarter sort of came in um, because it would have been small, but because I bootstrapped everything and really the, the Kickstarter was the, is this actually wanted? Is this worth it? Um, because of that, I think my first run for my first season was about 800 pairs of pants. And that was basically okay. all yeah. the Kickstarter pre-sales. Um, a few retailers in Australia here had sort of noticed what I was doing. And there was a couple that went like, yeah, this is, this is smart. We want in. So it wasn't massive orders, obviously, but it was still sure. enough, you know, to get them in like, you know, a couple of stores straight away. And then, um, the rest, I sort of kept as my own little bit of stock to try and sell through the year. So it was totally. pretty substantial, but it was backed by these these women and it wasn't just in australia it was worldwide so i had heaps of orders that went to the us and canada i had a whole bunch that went to europe i even had some going to like singapore and hong kong and i think the most okay. obscure one for me was like one went to turkey as well and i was like okay like there's obviously some snow somewhere there maybe or they go <laughs> you know to europe somewhere else in europe so yeah the manufacturing was kind of big in a sense because there was so much support for it you know these will these women were willing to put their money where their mouths were because they're like we're so sick of this which i thought yeah. was insane like yeah hey like that's awesome i'm sure it felt good on many levels not only are did you succeed in your goal but you you know you, you, you started to solve an issue and then it's like holy smokes i actually I did it, me. Not to say pride, like I'm not a big fan of pride myself, but something like that, being happy about yourself, being confident. I think you know what oh, I'm trying to say. Yeah, yeah, you, you're totally right. And it's funny because I don't sort of celebrate that stuff enough because my main goal has always just been like for everyone else. And the running commentary through the whole like startup process was like, look, if this fails, at least I'm going to get a prototype of pants that fits me and that's cool. Nice. Um, Yay. But like, yeah, I like it, it. it's, it's always been it, like, it's funny because I, I started this idea of making these pants and it wasn't never a like, oh, this is a valuable business idea. This is going to be great. It was like, oh my God, I'm going to change people's lives. Like I'm going to, and that's sort of what it's done. So yeah, it's, yeah, I, I was proud. I was proud. I think it was a lot of sure. hard work. And when you're working so hard and putting so much energy into it, you know, you kind of forget to celebrate those, those wins, but yeah, you're right. It, it was. It was pretty cool standing back after the fact and going like, yeah, holy crap. Like, I'm doing it. I'm making life better for people. Like, yeah. That's awesome. That's fantastic. That is so cool. Now, so how how did they how did they turn out? I mean, you know, you, you did the sales, and that's great. Now comes the next part, which is how did they work out? So I'm sure, like, did you personally test any before you started filling yeah. orders, like you had them made up, yeah. you put them on, you went out, did the whole thing, right? 
So before I even did the Kickstarter, I did a, a few rounds of like the prototyping over like sure. the winter here. So, you know, the first few pairs I didn't even have to take out because the fits weren't right and all that kind of sure. stuff and grabbed every friend and family member I could to like make them try them on and, you know, just get them on as many bodies as possible. And then I think once I had a few, that's when I started the Kickstarter and kind of got the funding. And then I sort of did the finishing touches with, with the supporters, right. With the backers. So that was cool. And, um, you know, yeah, took them out and made sure they, um, you know, held up. And I think I got a bit lucky in that the, the technical designer I was working with had some really good connections to a manufacturer that has done a lot of other like big brand gear. So the quality was really good straight off the bat. And I've had so many comments on that, which is really nice. But in terms of the fit, like, um, so that first round is that first style of pants I did was made more for like smaller waists, bigger bums, bigger thighs, bigger hips. So the ones that tend to get a lot of the waist gap in their pants and will have to size up just to make it fit their bum. And so for those women, they like, you know, like, it was really great. I don't know, luck or hard work because a lot of people argue on that, but they, they came out good. They, you know, nice. there wasn't huge flaws. There wasn't like, oh shit, we should have thought about this and that. Like, I think cause I spent so long thinking about what was missing and what didn't work and working to get these new sort of, you know, um, ways of constructing a pan or, you know, putting in new features, they just worked and, and it was good, you know, and the feedback was amazing and so the biggest thing that did like sort of neat or you know become apparent was that right those pants work well for those women mm-hmm. then the people the women with the other or people with the other body shapes didn't quite get the get the you know um the rave on like why are these so good like they're still comfier so like those those women that were more straight up and down or maybe had bigger tummies or stuff like that they were like, okay, I can see they're comfy, they're well-made, like all the features in them are good, but the fit's not quite there for us. So that's when kind of went back, right, there needs to be a second a second style for a different type of body shape. You know, we're all not okay. the same. Um, so, yeah, I had a I had a few little bits like, um, you know, with the, with the waistband, like I had only put like, there was a lot of things on the waistband, but, you know, only one hook. So then I changed it to a double hook for a bit more secure and, you know, found the pockets on some of them weren't quite as like um, sturdy as I would like to so change the fabric on the next round. So there were these little things, but in terms of like major, like, oh shit, we screwed up, got to go back to the drawing board. That didn't happen. Like, thank goodness, because, nice. you know, I suppose I had a good, I had a good person helping me, but yeah, I was really fortunate. I suppose that, yeah, they, they came out and they were amazing. They were really, Excellent. they were everything I was promising. So yeah. Very good. And that's awesome. Now, so you got the fit down. That was great. How about the tech side of it? Like, they're definitely dry. They're definitely warm, all that good stuff. Yeah. So, like, and that was the thing. Like, I think there's a big discrepancy between women's and men's gear. And it's getting better, absolutely, between, like, the features and the tech in the pants. So, like, I know here in Australia, and it's probably got to do with our conditions too, right, we really struggle to find a woman's pant that's over 10, 10K. Like it's okay. just not really a thing unless you then go into like more high end, like, you know, your birth and AKs or your Helly Hansons and stuff like that. Unless you jump that huge, that huge um, price point, you don't get a, a good pant here. So straight away I was like, cool, they're going to be 15, 15 K because whether you're here in Australia and it's a bit radio, you're doing a pal day overseas 
you know, that's sure. what I want them to be. And so they're, so they are 15K and they're insulated and they're vented and they've got like eight pockets on them. And so all those tech features, I just put in straight away because I thought, you know, we, we deserve them and they shouldn't be like high end add ons. They shouldn't sure. be like, oh, only if you're a serious, you know, skier, if you're doing blacks and stuff. It's the mums yeah. going out with their kids. They deserve to stay dry and they deserve to, you know, be able to utilize them just like everyone else. So, yeah, I put all that in from the get go. I made sure they were a high featured, you know, high tech pant. Yes, they're not a backcountry pant and they're not an AK Gore-Tex pant, but, you know. That's okay. For what they are and what I'm aiming to solve, they're, they're up there, you know. It's yeah, and I mean. <laughs> That's just good business sense, though, because the majority snow sports enthusiast is inbounds resort rider. Yeah. Like, I'm, I'm fairly sure that's accurate. I mean, if I'm wrong, someone tell me I'm wrong. That's okay. But I'm fairly sure I know more yeah. personally inbound riders than outbound. Um, and I don't feel like I'm good enough to go outbound. So I don't do it. But one of these days, maybe. Anyway, that doesn't matter. This is why I snowboard. Um, I don't like hiking. <laughs> th there you go. <laughs> Except when you hit the flats. I know people yes. still have trouble. They hit a flat and it's like, oh, I was like, no, gotta be bombing, man. You got to have a skier friend. You've always got to have a skier friend to, to tow you. <laughs> that, that's that's the way you do it. <laughs> that's how you do it. I've done it a few times myself, but then I also have those snowboarder friends who are bombing so fast. They don't even see the flat. They're just gone. No, I'm like, all right, I'll see you at the bottom, kids. <laughs> That's that's fine. That's fine. Awesome. So you got everything. And again, from a from a business standpoint, you know, you're selling worldwide. And I was saying to Maria, uh, I made a remark about the world getting smaller since the advent of the Internet. So she's not just selling in Australia or New Zealand or Oceania down there. It's all over the place. Like you go to her website and you flip through the uh, you could select your your currency. And there's countries here. I don't even know if it snows. So you've got everybody in mind, like it, it, it's, it's awesome and it's good. And again, I say it doesn't snow there. Well, no kidding. But of course, they're going to go somewhere where it snows like that. That's what people do. If you don't have snow, you go get it. That, that's what you do. Exactly. Awesome. Exactly. That's excellent. I mean, and, and you, and you can't say, they, you know, it doesn't snow, but I've had people buy them to go camping and I've had people buy them to go to their trips to like Antarctica. So just that it's going totally. to be cold and. You know, I think somebody was wearing them just hiking in New Zealand the other day I saw on social media. So, like, yeah, it's 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 cool that it's solving more than just one problem or one use. Yeah. Yeah. And that's awesome, too. Like you're you're now hitting other markets without even trying. Like, I think you yeah. got something here. If you could hit markets without trying, then you've got it. Like, that's going to yeah. be awesome. Excellent. Going to Antarctica, not something I know people have done it, but. You rolled it off the tongue so like it's an everyday thing there, but you're closer than we are. So I guess that makes sense. <laughs> yes. Uh, oh, we still have to fly. We've got to go to Argentina to get on the boat. So, you know. Like, mm. Oh, is that a thing? I didn't yeah, know that. So, yeah, you don't go from here. You uh, usually have to go into Antarctica, uh, into Argentina, which is usually still a flight through to US, right? Like to LAX or something. And then um, you come back maybe. down and yeah. <laughs> but yeah, geographically, very close. But <laughs> yeah, see, and again. I, it's a learning experience for me. The assumption is you got you could take a plane, be there in half hour, hour, whatever well, it actually is. I don't know. But it's it's, it's like now you gotta come all the way over here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. During COVID, um, before international travel <laughs> opened up again, uh sure. one of the airlines here, Qantas, actually did a seven hour Antarctic flight. So you didn't land, but you yeah. went out 
they flew over Antarctica low enough that you could see things and well, then came cool. back to Australia. And that was really cool because it was the closest you could get to international travel before the borders opened up. <laughs> oh, that's wicked awesome. I'd never even heard about that. Yeah, that's they only cool. did like one or two. It was pretty it was pretty amazing and you were pretty lucky to get on one. But um yeah, it was it was pretty cool. Hey, even so, go. shout out to shout out to Qantas, man. They've they've had one of the best safety records in history. They've they know their business. I don't like to fly, so shout out to them, whatever. <laughs> Doesn't matter. Um, so that's cool. And you, again, you're getting into other markets. That's great. Have you thought about trying to do something specific for that? Like, all right, people are using my stuff to hike, but if I tweak this a little bit, it would be better for that. Is that something that you'd like to do down the line or? Yeah, absolutely. Like, um, obviously I think the natural progression is like, if I can get like the bibs and the jackets going and they're, and they're good, then, um, I'd love to do like, you know, proper backcountry gear and like look into the Gore-Tex stuff or look into the, you know, the higher waterproof and the shell stuff. But funnily enough, like before I even got my like foot off the ground, like I had women messaging me like, do you do horse riding gear? Do you do motorbike gear? Do you do like mountain biking gear? Do you do like tradies? Like do you do work gear? Because like it was so apparent that there are so many other industries that are still lacking like <laughs> well-fitting and like um you know inclusive gear um there's only like one other brand who's actually out of the u.s called alpine parrot who does hiking gear and it's funny um coincidentally i'd never heard of her before i started but we do something very similar in that we do different body shaped pants so different ranges of pants for different body shapes and i think she's the only person i know that's doing something else along the same lines but otherwise there's still so many industries like absolutely crying out like women are crying out for like better gear so who knows one day like might do everything but for now it's the snow stuff that i love and that i'm concentrating on I mean, if they're coming to you, that that's supply and demand, my friends. That's the definition of capitalism <laughs> and Ski Rex Media, full supporter of capitalism. Take that how you it will. Is. I love capitalism. It totally is. But I think like for me, like I, I, I have a passion behind this, right? Like I said, when I started it, it was never like, boom, business idea, boom. Like totally. somebody, somebody asked me the other day, like, oh, have you always been an entrepreneur? And I'm like, no, God, no. Like it never even... <laughs> Like I used to always have like fancy free thoughts of like, oh, I should open a cafe or could you imagine this kind of shop here or, you know, what kind of business we need, but never really did it. And I suppose because this one affected me personally, I kind of took it personally. So yeah, like as much as there is so much out there, like if I can keep doing this and, you know, make an, a life out of it where I'm comfortable and help all these other women, because I've known the struggles myself and I've been like, severely overweight as a teenager so I, I get how much it can hurt like if I can just fix those things and I don't want to be big I don't want to be massive I don't want to like take over the world in the snow industry I just want to sure you know I want to give those like women who can't go on the ski trips or go on a snow holiday because they can't find a pair of pants to fit I want to give them that opportunity I don't want them to have to miss out on their trip or not go out and play in the snow with their kids or like you know cancel everything full stop because of a pair of pants like that yeah yeah that's what i'm about like yeah My, capitalism is great but nah, <laughs> I, I've, i'm more about the passion behind it and you know making people feel a way that i hope i never have to feel again so absolutely and that's 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 a great bit of core ideology like yes there's slobs like me who will <laughs> you know love it 
and again, joking aside, you yeah. know, it is the interest in the whole retail industry. You know, it's, mm-hmm, it's mm-hmm. actually a lot of fun. A lot of people say, oh, dude, that job sucks. I was like, yeah, it can. But there's a lot of cool stuff in it, too. So it can be really we rewarding, shoot- too. It can be. So we shoot to the website over here. Nobody'sprincess.com.au. Um, you have the pants. That's your like flagship, other apparel, some accessories, different things, stickers and, and things like this. So you got a whole full featured website and online store. Yes. Yes. And then you are doing, <laughs> I think, and pardon me, I know I need new glasses. I can't see anything I'm doing. Um, but I think I saw that you had um locally um in brick and mortar shops, correct? Or, yes. Or not? So, um, like in America, there's a snow industry association here in Australia too. It's also called SIA. Um, and last year I went to my first trade show, which was very daunting when you've got this little, you know, 10 foot square stand next to the likes of, you know, Burton and Oakley and all them. And you're like, sure, just in my corner here. Um, but it was really good because like, you know, I suppose, in a way, Australia is so small population wise, which means our snow industry is so small and it's a really tight knit community. So um, unbeknownst to me, people had been waiting to come and see me. And so, you know, this year, like I've been able to really coolly say that over like Australia and New Zealand, there's like 30 stores now that retail the pants. And uh, even one even one in Japan as of the the 23 24 winter that's coming up so that's like super exciting so um yeah it, it's really really cool that these little yeah oh they're not all little businesses some like much bigger stores too have gotten behind and seen the value you know and and it's and it's smart business sense for them because like you know it's funny one of the best conversations i had at that trade show was with a guy who had been running his store in uh, on the outskirts of sydney for you know 30, 40 years, and now he was passing down to his son. And, you know, there's this guy, you know, white guy in his 60s, and he was saying to me, like, how much heartbreak he used to have, or he still has, turning mm-hmm. women away because it was like, no, sorry, we don't have something for you. Have you tried the men's gear? And even he had compassion and empathy and understanding about what these women were going through. And like, for me, that was like a really beautiful thing. But yeah, for them, I suppose it's smart because, you know, if they've got the pants and they're going to fit anyone that walks in the door, then it's, you know, good business for them too. But yeah, like I said, it was still just, there there is like some soul in it too. So that was, yeah, it's really cool. Really, really cool to have those stores on board. That is cool. And that's actually what I was getting at. I I see the picture in uh, your media section on your website uh, with, with the booth. You know, yep. and uh, yep. I've I've seen this many times myself. Um, you get again this year at Snowbound in Boston, the Snowbound Expo for those who will be in the U.S. on the first weekend in November. Same idea, trade show basically, and mm-hmm. it's an exposition. You know, whatever. So you do have, and and, and again, I'm sure it's similar. Um, you have all the mountains that want to come, and they have their booth set up. And the bigger the mountain, the crazier the setup. You know, they got all kinds of stuff. <laughs> And then you got your your retail brands and, you know, you got, you know, like you said, Burton, which is right up from, you know, right up the road from me. And and you got Oakley and you got all these you know companies from around the world. But then you have the smaller people, too, 
And that's yeah. a lot of fun. Uh, shout out to longtime friend and fan, you know, Jumpin' Steve out here in New Hampshire who runs Peace and Pow, you know. He, I met him at one of these shows, you know. So it's, it's I'm sure it's the same idea because he told me some of the numbers he did and how popular he was standing next to another one that he got their numbers. Yeah. And he actually did better oh, than wow. the big guy. And I, I'm not going to say who it was, but um, I laughed. I was like, really? <laughs> That's amazing. And now you have that same opportunity, especially since you have uh, – you know, some people would say in business, it's too targeted. You're too targeted. I'm like, but there's no one else shooting for that target. Nobody. Exactly. You, someone needed to do it and you you did it. And that's awesome. And you're not only on the internet selling on an online, you know, you're doing the old e-commerce thing. You're on the ground. You're in the stores. You're in Japan. They have a huge snow sports following over there. They do. But part of they their do. country has snow deeper than a house. So. Yeah. That's great. You know, if the, if it could sell there and the next stop, uh, you know, is just Europe and North America um, for open retail. Obviously, you've like you said, you've already had sales in these countries just in a different way, um, right. which is great, too. That is so awesome. Everybody, like I said, no, nobody's princess now in on the on when you put it in your ULR bar, you don't need the the apostrophe. Uh, there it's just nobody's princess dot com links will be in the description. Um, you go there, very easy site to navigate. Again, you could pick your currency. Um, right now, mine automatically switched to uh, U.S., which makes sense because I'm in the U.S. Very cool. A lot of photos. Definitely a love for snow sports. Now, you said you've only been in it for seven years. You got into it as an adult snow sports. What was that yeah. like? Yeah. So it was completely like, I. It, I if you had asked me even like three weeks before I did it, if I was going to be doing it, I, it, the answer would have been no. So I actually grew up in South Australia, so which is uh, sort of more inland. It's it's the the hottest. I think it's like the driest state in our country. You know, driest state, driest country, driest continent. Um, sure. So I didn't even know we had snow in Australia till like my mid twenties. Like how, you know, silly. Um, but moved <laughs> to Melbourne, um, yeah, about eight years ago, and you know, made some friends. And I am a beach bum. I love the heat. And um, they kind of said, we, we go snowboarding. We've been doing it for about three years. Do you want to come one weekend? And I'm like, I mean, yeah, I like trying anything. I'm fairly active. Like I like doing different sports and stuff. And so I went and went up a second weekend and I bought a, I bought a snowboard that second weekend. Um, Very nice. That's how it started. There was never an intention and interest. Like I didn't even know much about the resorts here and, yeah, it just, I don't know, something about it. I, I tell people I must like water in any form, whether it be, you know, wet or frozen, <laughs> wet or frozen. Liquid wet or, or frozen, frozen, man. Um, yeah, so, um, yeah, started at 30 uh, or nearly 31, actually. I reckon it was a few weeks before I turned 31. And, yeah, just, I don't know. I think just being outdoors is always a nice thing. I love being outside and, you know, it was something new and, like I said, I think it's a bit of a lazy man sport, and it, and I take I take the piss of it. It's not, but you know, <laughs> you, you strap, you know, everyone goes like, oh, you must be so athletic, and I'm like, mate, I catch a I catch a ride to the top of the mountain, and I strap my feet into a plank of wood, and then let gravity do its thing. Like, mm. um, yeah. but yeah, started late. I've been so this is like my seventh year, eighth year snowboarding, nice. and you know, even started chasing winters a bit. Um, you know, nice. I. I I visited Canada for the first time and it was meant to be actually just a normal holiday. And I kind of said to my partner, I'm like, 
what if we popped into Banff for like four or five days, just, you know, as we're moving from, from west to east and, yeah. um, and then, you know, that became a, oh, look, the flight to Canada also stops over in Japan. Like maybe we should just stay in Japan for a week and head to a resort there for a couple go. of days. And so then, yeah, and I, I actually um, took a bit of a sabbatical from my like corporate career before I, I started this business and did a worked a season in Japan at a resort called Madaral, which is just outside of Tokyo. And cool. so really, like, I think for the last three, four years, there hasn't been, I, I've kind of done double winters and and not that I've been there for the whole three four five months of a season but I've I've made an effort to go get some snow in our summer basically so yeah it's just kind of consumed my life and I think like yeah it's the outdoors it's the mountains but it's also the community like the people who get around the snow I think are just some of the best people I've I've ever met and that kind of you know makes it even more appealing Absolutely. That's what we like to hear. And that's something I like to bring up uh, just as a side note. You know, some people are like, well, these people are making stuff for this industry. Are they actually part of it? And yes, yes, you are. You you ride and you've been to other countries, which I haven't even done. You know, I mean, I've been to Canada, but I never skied in Canada. And one of these days I will. Uh, Here's the problem I find with being a a travel skier. Now, I use the Indy Pass, and I know that's just the U.S. and Japan and Canada, and that's great. But where I live, I have so many places within an hour, and then if you get out to three hours drive, I have to try them all. (laughs) It's just so much work, but it's a lot of fun. And, you know, like you said, you got to go into the Canadian Rockies, hit Japan, a lot of fun at these places. Um, So she's legit everyone she she knows you know she's a she's it's a official. true knuckle it's official i say she's a true knuckle dragon snowboarder and we love snowboarders here that's a lot of fun some of my best friends I, my I best friend is a i can ski oh. too just for all the people See? hating on the snowboarders i also can ski <laughs> I, I i go both <laughs> i i don't I, you know i tell this story all the time i can't get it i can't get the hang of snowboarding and i'm too old to try now the interesting thing speaking of which joking aside is as an adult, I always find that amazing when someone gets into it, because as a person gets older, you know, for whatever reason, we don't try as many things or we're afraid, even if we've done yeah. it. Like I've I stepped on a skateboard and I've never been a trick guy. Like I can't do tricks on a bicycle. I don't do tricks on my skis. I don't do tricks on a skateboard, but I ride them. And I stepped as an as an older adult, like in my 30s, I, I stepped on a skateboard. and I was wobbly. I was scared and I didn't do it again. But you <laughs> gotta- you overcame that and. You know, we don't hear a lot about it in our community. I think people starting as an adult. That's why I asked how that went for you. Yeah. Now, and, did you do it? It's... Go oh, ahead. Sorry, yeah. All I was right. going to say, it, you... it is scary. And it can be. Like, you know, some people are like, you're never scared in a mountain. I'm like, well, yeah, sometimes I'm still scared, but 90% of the time I'm not. But I've been doing it since I was 12. That's a little different um, than someone who started at 31. It's a whole new world. You know, when you're short and small like a child, you have low center of gravity. You know, you have no fear. So it's a oh, whole other. <laughs> oh, the kids are amazing. I love to watch them, you know, just zipping by like, all right, have a blast, guys, whatever. Um, I'll be over yeah. here now. Uh, and like I said, you know, older folks just don't do it. Adults just don't do it. So I love hearing that you got into it. Now, did you do it? The my friend showed me or did you buy the lessons? I always say buy the lessons. I did a little bit of both. Um, I got a there lesson go. straight off the bat for sure, because just to get the basics of like, yeah, this is how you totally. put your boot in and this is how you stand up. And 
Um, and I think I was really fortunate that those friends definitely spent a lot of time with me on the flats, teaching me like the basics. Um, and I'm really thankful for that because it would have been hours and hours and hundreds of dollars on lessons otherwise. Um, totally. I think, I think in a way, um, part of what probably helped me is that I probably have a death wish. Um, I like, I'm, I'm an adrenaline, I'm an adrenaline junkie. So, um, yes. you know, yes. pushing myself down the mountain was look still scary, still scary as hell. Um, but because sure. it was new and it was exciting, I think I was more willing than say, if I was going to try it even now. Um, mm-hmm. and then I also had the, the added benefit of my friends being complete a-holes and dragging me down <laughs> A blue run when I could really only do a green or pushing me down a black run when I could really only do a blue because they just wouldn't tell me. You know, I was new to sure. the mountain. I didn't know the runs. Like, are we just going to go on this run? What is it? Oh, it's just the blue. It's fine. And then I get to the bottom <laughs> and like, yeah, that was a pretty steep black. And I'm like, what? Um, so, but, you know, it, it, it is scary. And even now it's scary. Like, you know, I, I've had a pretty mellow season. I haven't gotten onto the snow that much. Um, you know, for what you were saying about you go for an hour drive, it takes us a minimum of three hours to get to the closest resort from Melbourne. Um, totally. And, you know, I've been I've been introducing some new people, new friends to snow, so I haven't really done that much, you know, aggressive riding or anything like that. And even, like, I think it was, like, the last day I was up a few weeks ago, you know, I got to the top of a few black runs because I was like, right, it's Maria time. I went off by myself. And like, nice. I had to remind myself, I'm like, you know how to do these. Come on, like, just, just go, you know, and, um, you know, had to remind myself that I could do it. And, you know, there was still that anxiety. And I think if anyone tells you that they're hundred percent fearless, even if they've been doing it for 20 years, they're, they're full of it. You know, mm-hmm. I have this running joke with my friends and anyone I meet who's anxious about, it. I said, look, if you haven't gotten to the top of a run, broken down and had a cry before you then did the run at least once a season you're just not doing it right you're not pushing yourself you're not like you're not giving you know and and it's kind of like um actually went to a a women's uh networking night up at mount buller the other night and we had a good we had a bit of a q a panel which was really cool and a girl asked you know what do you do about the anxiety what do you what do you do and i said you know You've seen that viral video of the little kid in the dinosaur costume who's just constantly chatting away to herself as she's snowboarding, maybe? Yes. It's like, yes. And she's like, oh, I'm a stachosaurus. And, you know, she's constantly chattering away to herself. And I kind of said to this this chick, I said, you know, that's me at 37. When I am, when I am <laughs> on a run, when I'm sitting on the chairlift, it is constantly like, Maria, you've got this, Maria. Just don't stop. Come, Maria, use your heel edge. Come, Maria, just go. Yeah, don't stop. Don't stop. Come on, come on, come on. Go, go, go. Like, you know, the, you, there's this constant pep talk going. And I think a lot of people have that. I think some just don't like to admit it for, you know, you know, they're proud or whatever. But I think everyone's still got the anxiety. And it comes back down to, I think, who you've got around you and who you've got supporting you in the snow and who's going to push you, but in a, in a good way and who's going to have your back and, knowing if something does go wrong, that they're going to pull you out. Like, you know, sometimes quite literally. So totally. Excellent. No, I'm, I'm happy to hear it. I'm happy to hear that you do it. I'm happy to hear that you enjoy it. And since you do it, uh, since you just mentioned Mount Buller, we're going to exploit the fact that you're Australian because I have never had an Australian here, though I have worked with Australian and New Zealand folks back in the long ago, back in the nineties, when I worked at a, at a ski mountain through high school, you know, they come up for our winter, you know, 
and uh, they work there for the season and they go home. You know, it's 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 a cool life when I, I, I suggest it to young people all the time, like get into hospitality. Yeah, it's a job that could suck, but you could go around the world if you wanted to. Everywhere, and it's yeah. it's a party. Like That's what it is. You work to cover your rent and your beer. And that's what you do. You know, and then it's just dudes, chicks, parties, whatever you want, you know, drugs, if you're into it, you know, whatever it is. And they're like, that's not serious. I was like, I might be exaggerating a little, but go try it. It's it's a whole other thing. Um, But I never asked the questions. And now, again, that was the 90s. This is 2023. It's a whole other world. So you mentioned Mount Buller. Is that your home mountain or not? Um. It definitely was when I started because it's like the closest, well, it's technically not the closest to Melbourne, but it's the closest biggest resort to Melbourne um, okay. at, at three hours, 15 uh, sure. drive each way. Um, and mm-hmm, yeah, so mm-hmm. definitely for the first few years when I was learning, that's where I went. And so then there's the other two big ones in Mel- like in Victoria, the state of Victoria, which is Falls Creek and Mount Hotham. So yep. they're um, the other two big ones and they're sort of the ones I probably frequent the most um at Excellent. the moment because i usually tend to get an epic pass um because okay. it covers more of the resorts in australia there's three resorts it covers rather than just buying one resort pass for one mountain for the season um and sure. then we've got over into new south wales so there's perisher which is also on the epic path and threadbow which is on the icon pass mm-hmm. um and they're the two big ones there and then there's a couple of smaller ones like charlotte's pass and selwyn snowfields so they're the sort of um and there's Mount Borbor in Melbourne as well. I shouldn't leave them out because they might come after me. Um, <laughs> but yeah, now, now. they're the, they're the <laughs> that's the roundup of um, resorts in Australia. Really, Excellent. it's just across two straits. It's all the one sort of alpine region. It just happens to sort of straddle the border of these two states. Excellent. Excellent. And again, you know, we've heard of these places. I've never been, obviously, I've I've never been off North America, so I haven't been. And to get me in an aircraft to get down there, that's going to be some doing. Um, I might have to start drinking again for that. And I don't do that anymore. <laughs> but, you know, it's it, it's interesting. Now, again, like I, I made a joke earlier, it's not really a joke. I'm not a big fan of mainstream media, so I don't know exactly how your winter went. It looked like some places were having a very good winter. Some places were having a very bad winter, which makes sense. You know, that's just what you get. You get that across, you know, country, yeah. these vast stretches of land. Some people, you know, our winter wasn't so great this year. California got hammered um this year it might be the reverse so how did how was your winter is what i'm getting at the long way around look it definitely wasn't the best i think i think they actually came out the like meteorology um group here said it's actually been our warmest winter since 1910 so since recording of weather started in australia it's our warmest winter um but look, that being said, you're you're bang on. The media just blew it way out of proportion because mm. what what was happening at a lot of the resorts is yeah, the stuff at the bottom where you know you'd get on the lift to go up, or you know where the base camp, you know restaurants and or you know communal areas were, they sure. were they were dying fast because a it's flat. B, everyone's mm-hmm. walking all over them. And C, the groomers aren't pushing snow there. They don't, it doesn't need to be there. You don't need to walk over snow just to get into the main building to get up onto the lift. Sure. So, you know, people were, and, you know, we get a lot of people that visit just to see the snow, just to toboggan with their kids. They're not there to do full on ski and snowboarding trips. And 
you know, they take pictures and post them and it was really, it really was like fear mongering. Um, it, it sucked because, you know, we, we, Australia is a huge country and we have people that sure. come from the top parts of New Zealand, uh, New Zealand. Oh my goodness. Uh, Queensland. <laughs> I had Queenstown in my head and then I went to New Zealand. Um, yeah, you know, okay. top parts Happens. of Queensland and Perth, which are both, you know, four or five hour flights away sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And they don't want to come if it's going to be horrible. You know, they are better yeah. putting their money to go to Japan where they're guaranteed, you know, Japan. Um, yeah. But, you know, the snow, the snow was still great. I think one of the biggest things people forget is how much work goes into maintaining those runs and what the groomers are doing overnight. And when they're like physically cutting around trucks of snow and from stores off of one side of a shelf, you know, one shouldered side of the mountain back onto the runs so that when it hasn't snowed for a month, we're still able to do our runs. Like, it was still good snow. It was still good skiing. And if you were up there and you were doing it, you know, at, you know, at a point in the winter, you know, the whole mountain was open at every resort. So you still got to use it. And yeah, it was a bit short. It was a bit crowded because, you know, as it starts to die off, you know, seeing people getting funneled into less and less runs. But I still always think that, you know, for a country like ours, that is so inherently hot and dry. The fact that we get some, some snow is great um and you know it it really wasn't as horrible as it was made out to be like yep it's not been a great season we've had much okay. better where we will get like you know two three meter bases but it was still doable it was still you know if you were out there you could still get 30 days on the snow if you were you know going up and yeah I, you know yeah it was it was very very much fear-mongered on on social media and in the news and i think there was a few articles that went out on like daily mail and stuff like that going like oh mm. look at look at the mud but the the plus side of you know the flip side of it was like these resorts were doing the best they could so yeah when the bottom like you know 50 or 100 meters of the run had you know bottomed out and there wasn't enough snow they were getting out those grass mats and putting stuff down so people could still enjoy the 97% of the run that was amazing still and making it work for those people so they could still do it rather than just shutting the whole thing off. So, you know, I think a lot of people were complaining, but I think everyone should really be really thankful that we still got what we got. And it was, it was okay. If you're there for a genuine love of it, it was still amazing. Awesome. And that's what you like to see. And again, you know, I did see some of that social media stuff that said, you know, Australia is just closing tomorrow. And I'm like, but I was just on Threadbow's Instagram and they just said they got, you know, 20 centimeters in a night or something, some ridiculous number. I was like, what's, and again, the geography escapes me, but you know, I'm just, I don't have the memory I used to have. So, (laughs) but I, I, I have enough of it. I I do know that Perth is where you get that crazy flight to New Jersey. That's like 22 hours. God bless you. God bless the people who work on that flight. God bless the people who are taking it, whatever. But, and I know that's on the other side of the continent. That's over there. You know, that's in the West and uh, you're more in the East. So I know that. And, but again, the point was, it's like, how are you saying this? But they're saying that plus their snow guns are on. So the temps and the humidity and the weather has to work with that as well. So what are you telling me and why? And that's, again, that's why we're taking, taking advantage of an Australian, like, (laughs) you know, like, like one of your Olympians, Belle Brockoff, she follows Skier X media, but I've never talked to the, to the woman, 
Um, and Bell, now it's Bell, just, she's just, <laughs> yeah, I, 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 thank you. I appreciate that. And she's awesome. I love watching her stuff. Even not, even not her snowboarding stuff. She's, she's got a good sense of humor, that one. And, uh, uh, but you know, I, I like the competitive world anyway. And, uh, she, she rides border cross. I, if I remember correctly, um, again, my yep. memory is not what it used to be, but you know, a lot of fun, but now we're talking to someone actually talking now, something else I had a, a, an interest in is, you know, you talked about having an Epic pass. We know Epic pass. You talk about icon pass. We know icon pass. I talked about the indie pass all the time, but that's not down there. That goes only into Japan and Canada and us. What's it like, you know, uh, uh, exchange rates, notwithstanding what, what's it like for cost down there? Cause I know Europeans who brag about it. Like our lift tickets are nothing where you guys have some mountains that are gonna be 300 bucks a day. soon. 300 yeah. us do the math. I don't know what it is. Um, yeah. listeners pick your country, go on Google, figure it out. I don't know. I can't do all of you. I can't do all of you, but I think the U S dollar and the Australian dollar are close right now. Like one to one fifty, whatever it is. I forget. Maybe yeah, about that. I forget. Um, and I did just look it up and now I've completely blanked it. But the point is, <laughs> is it is it pricey there? Is it more mid-range? Have you all seen the steady increase over the last five, ten years like we have? Yeah, it definitely is getting to that point where I feel like it's almost going to become an elitist sport again. Um, yes. I think I started in 2017 and look, even then it was still a lot. If you didn't buy, say a season pass or something, just coming up for a weekend by the time you put together, you know, lift passes for a weekend for two people and accommodation and food and fuel. And, you know, you're burning through a thousand dollars, you know, so you yeah, know, totally. US sort of thing or something around there. Um, and now like the whole reason I think the Epic and Icon kicked in so much here is because you do, you pay your, thousand dollars australian to get that season pass because a day pass is like two hundred dollars so yeah um and you know if you've got a family of four all of a sudden that's a lot of coin um totally yeah it, it has and you know you talk about the fact that a lot of australians travel so much to go to the snow overseas and it's because of the cost it's um like funny story i went and did a week in japan at the beginning of this year and even sure. though I had my Epic Pass, which enabled me like five days of free riding at Hakubar, it was still cheaper for me to go to a different resort and get the accommodation because Hakubar had become, is becoming such a bit of a, you know, Aussie hotspot that the pricing of accommodation and food is so jacked up. Sure. But, you know, so for me to even just go and pay only accommodation was still more expensive than me to go to another resort in Japan and pay a lift ticket and accommodation. Sure. Um, and that's the influence of that Epic Pass and Icon Pass here. But yeah, it is, it's definitely creeping up. And I feel like Australia and like, look, I've only been to, um, I've been to Sunshine Village and Lake Louise in Canada. I've been to a couple of resorts sure. around uh, Japan and New Zealand and obviously all my time in Australia. And I feel like Australia is really, you know, because the snow is not a big part of our life, we really hype that tourist side of it up and therefore sure. things are really expensive. I was blown away the first time I went to New Zealand and, you know, got over there and the resort is literally only one building at the bottom of the mountain where there's a mm -hmm. few like, you know, you know, school style cafeteria, you know, yeah. outlets and a big communal room. And that's it. Whereas you in Australia, it's like restaurants and fancy apartments and like, you know, day spas and massage places. And it's a real like, 
you know, sort of like club med almost type experience. Sure. And I'm, I probably have no idea what I'm talking about, but you know, the, the fine, difference dude. between the two is really crazy. And so, yeah, it is starting to get so much cheaper to go to New Zealand for a week and ski over there or go to Japan for a week, even including the flights and the com. It is a really mm. expensive sport here. And especially because we have to put so much time and effort into getting there in the first place. Like if you're in Sydney and you're going to perish it, it's a six hour drive. So wow. you, you're talking a tank of fuel and a bit maybe each way, plus mm-hmm. your 12, 13 hours of driving just for a weekend. Yeah. So that's a lot. You know, That's... you stack that on top of all your accommodation and yeah, it's, it's getting crazy. And I, I feel like it is getting back up to that almost like elitist level. Like even this year, I'm like, cool, sharing houses with mates and, you know, sleeping on a sofa bed mm-hmm. if I need to, because, you know, and nice. we can't stay on the mountain because it's way too expensive. So yeah. Yeah. See that. That's interesting to me for a lot of reasons. Um, again, like now I, I have been something I try to kill is this, is the elitist skier stereotype. Like they're out there. Sure. We have some incredibly high end places here, but the majority of the sport is not that, um, I'm not rich and I don't claim to be, and I don't, I don't go to big places. Like my home mountain is 15 minutes from my front door, right on the other side of the river here. Oh, it's awesome. (laughs) It's this little place and it only has, you know, 600 vertical, you know, not a lot of trails, but it's never packed. It, the, 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 the seasons pass 200 us 250 us. I think this year, you know, a day tickets, 40 bucks on a weekday, you know, it's, it's not, it's relatively not bad. Um, And I was curious because we do hear from Europeans that they have, but then it's a whole other, it's a whole other Mm. sport in Europe and it's different and that's cool. You know, it's, but it's just interesting to me. Plus, you know, I always say, get the season's pass. I tell everybody the cheapest way you're ever going to ski is buy a season pass. And that's the cheapest way to do anything. Museums, music venues, um, aquatic centers, whatever, you know, what have you indoor places. I know there's indoor places coming to Australia, I just don't remember yes. where. Um, uh, when that opens, I think there's I one in Perth, I think, from memory, and remember. one in Canberra. So if you great. get the chance, if you get the chance, try it. A lot of people make fun of it. A lot of people hate on it. I think it's fun and I think it's cool because it's just different. And it's just kind of ridiculous because you're just in a giant sloped freezer with snow. It's the most ridiculous yeah. thing in the world. And it's kind of awesome actually- because of it super funny so growing up in adelaide in south australia we actually used to have this indoor snow place called mount beberton and it was literally like a couple of ice rinks and one slope with a conveyor belt up so it wasn't even that tall but so many and i used to only go there to do some tobogganing because that was the fun thing to do but i never realized until i met people um at the snow who also came from adelaide that you could actually take a pair of skis there and just do this one slope. And I reckon it would take you less than 10 seconds to get down it. That's how tiny it was. That's but awesome. It's though. what we had. So for to see something massive, like I've seen some of the ones in like the Netherlands and stuff like that are these huge indoor centers. I'm so excited oh, yeah. for that. I'm so, it's so very excited cool. for that. It is very cool. I like it. I love it. I can't say enough about it. And another thing that I wanted to bring up with cost is the interest in it is that in Australia and New Zealand, say, I don't feel like the price should be so high. Again, you don't have the air travel to just land there. And that's a thing here, too. Like, you can't land at every mountain, obviously. And and, and then some of the ones that you can, you have to know how to fly yourself. 
um, small yeah. airports. Um, yeah. But you have far less in two countries. And I think there was one, actually, I think it just sold in Tasmania as well. I can't oh, remember. Oh, yeah. I forgot uh, Ben Lomond. Sorry, Tasmania. <laughs> I forgot yeah. all about that one. <laughs> there you go. And yeah, a couple of years ago, I think it sold. And yes. But you still have in those three countries a handful total where, like I said, just here in New England, I have, you know, 10 or 12 but just within an hour. And if I push out to that three hours, there's like a hundred. And if I push yeah. out to the six hours, like you were saying to drive, you know, it's like, I can, I now have a thousand at my disposal from every single pass of every single size, every single amenity you could ever want from like right across the river. I have another place that I could go that just has a, just has a surface lift. That's all it is. It's got a little button lift and that's all yep. it has. It's got like five, five trails and that's great. Um, and that's good enough for me too. Like I'm not one of these people that pushes. It's got to be Aspen or nothing, or pick your <laughs> pick your high end or down there Parisher or nothing. Because I'm pretty sure isn't Parisher like the flagship down there? Oh, I don't know if that's right. Parisher's Parisher's like one of Parisher's like the biggest. But if you're gonna yeah. compare, yeah, Aspen's a bit, that'd be Threadbow. You know, a bit more upper okay. class, a bit more like yeah, sure, highest, sure, highest points and yeah. Yeah, so pick that. Like, I don't need amenities. Like you said, the place in New Zealand where there's no restaurants, they might have a cafeteria, maybe. They might right. have, you know, at least their rental shop, but that's all I care about. And I don't need rentals. I have my own stuff. So I'm good. I, I bring a sandwich, peanut butter sandwich. I don't need I don't need none of it. Just let me go. Yep. Um, yep. That, not that I'm knocking that. Some of that stuff is great, no. you know? Look, and like I like this year, um, a few of my friends and I, we definitely splurged for one weekend. We got nice. you know, a little apartment on the mountain at Mount Hotham, and that was our splurge weekend. But we just did it sure. once. But we still actually brought up our food and made sandwiches for lunch and went back to the apartment and stuff because like yeah, yeah eating food on the mountain is expensive. You know, paying thirty dollars mm -hmm. for a burger and it's like what? You know, yeah. when I can eat. No, yeah, I'm, just... I'm a I'm a I'm a salami and cheese girl myself. So um, very nice. Love it. Know. Ate that the other day. Um, but yeah, it's it's funny, and there is nothing wrong. Like you said, there is no right or wrong way of doing it. If you can afford it, the luxury, and you can make it amazing, and you're staying, you do you know, a hundred meters from a ski lift, then like, oh, go for it. But unfortunately, oh, yeah. it's not everyone's cup of tea. And then like, nope. it's funny because you're saying you've got all these resorts, and the other thing we have, which I didn't mention, is most of our resorts are on national parks, so we actually sure. have to pay just to get into the resort, like with our car. So before we okay. even get on the chairlift, we have to pay around $60 a day just to drive through the gate and park our car. See, we, we do have that in some places, far less though. Like it's not very common. Like the only one I can think of offhand, and I know there's more, but um, Lee Canyon out there in Nevada, uh, about eh, it's an hour north of Las Vegas, 45 minutes to an hour. Okay. Um, beautiful drive awesome place but you do have to, it's on uh i think i don't think it's national there though i think it's state i can't remember goodness gracious i lived in the friggin city holy crap <laughs> las vegas is great too anybody that's a ski town i don't care you can get so many places uh, and, and you can gamble maybe you're blowing <laughs> my mind because as an australian i go to las vegas and i'm like <laughs> earthquake um i go to las vegas and i'm like cool desert strip Elvis, where's the snow? So the beautiful thing about it is it's not right. Well, Lee Canyon is about, like I said, 45 minutes to an hour. It's a small place. It only has 800 foot vert, but its base is at 8,000 foot. 
So do the math. It's Whoa. like, you know, so many, you know, uh, wow. uh, uh, like 3000 meters, something like that. I can't remember what the actual math is. 2000. And wow. so it's, it starts up there and it's awesome. Like I can't even get to the top of it. Like it's just too high for me. I've hiked to the yeah. top and it's just like, it's too much. Um, it's awesome. Then you go to places in Utah, places in New Mexico, places in Arizona, you know, and then it's about three, four hours drive. But again, that's what you got to do unless you live like where I live or you live in a place in Colorado, you're going to have to drive anyway. So you might yeah. as well have a jump off point. That's the city of Las Vegas, which that's the desert so cool. is also the desert's also beautiful. The desert mountains, big mountains, gorgeous. Uh, a lot of cool animals. If you're into that, I see videos coming out from your neck of the woods of echidnas and things walking around snow yeah, slopes. Wombats. And I'm like, yep. wombats and things like you don't see that here, <laughs> obviously, but I would love to see that. That's so great. <laughs> so, you know, it's all different. And, you know, I, like I would say, I was just curious because, you know, we have a sat, you know, we have about somewhere between three or 400 mountains. So you would think it would be cheap in the U S because there's so much competition and yet it yep. isn't. But I will say if I had the cash, we have a private resort here, a country club style. And if I had oh, wow. it, I would join in a second because I love the mountain. Anyway, I was there a long time ago before it ever went private when it was still public and uh, love it. And I was like, and I told the guys while I was down there, they let me come ski. And I was like, if I could cut you the check right now, 100%. <laughs> I anybody who talks about the rich skier stereotype, I'm trying to kill it too, but that was awesome. <laughs> so whatever. Yeah. Anyway, that's awesome. We now have a little insight into Australia, what it's like. I would love to try it just because I would love to try it. Um, clearly not this season because the season's over, but our season's about <laughs> yeah. to begin. So before yes. I let you go, continue on with your morning. It is seven o'clock p.m. where I am. It's about nine o'clock p.m. Uh, a.m. Correct. Yep. Tomorrow, mind you. Yes. That's right. Future. She's talking to us from the future. Yes. That's right. See, just uh, just make sure you turn your fridge off tonight. That's all I'm going to say. You heard it, guys. She knows. <laughs> she knows. She knows things. See, and that's the thing. I want to travel down there, but it, it, it seems so tough. Now, you've done it as a skier, snowboarder. Now, you said that wasn't your goal when you went to Canada. You were in the Canadian Rockies. So did you rent when you were there? Yeah. Um because I knew I was going to be going like, you know, we'd planned this trip across Canada and then I kind of said, Hey, let's add in a stock. So I, I took my own boots and clothing um, because at that point I didn't have my, my own brand and I was still struggling to find stuff. And I was yeah. very scared of trying to find something in a rental. So I took my own boots and clothing and I rented boards over there, which was amazing just to try some different stuff. And yeah, totally. See, now that was the question, because I know when I lived in Las Vegas, since I brought it up, um, very large Polynesian population. Um, I right. worked with a guy. Yeah, it's oddly enough. Someone said to me and I looked at him cross eyed. He's like, yeah, they call this, you know, the Hawaiians call it the like the fifth island or something. I was like, what are you yeah. talking about, dude? Now, here's the funny part about that story is that here I am. I moved to Las Vegas from the East Coast. I was living in New Jersey. I was the uptight East Coaster. That's our culture. Their culture is the more <laughs> California laid back West Coast style. So I'm looking at this guy like I'm on a street. I'm like, dude, what the f are you talking about? Like that actually kind of sounds like prejudice to me. Like, what do you mean? Sure enough. I start talking to people like, no, there really is a large Polynesian population here. I was like, oh, that's well, cool. right, that makes more sense. But 
one of the guys I worked with, he had to go home on family business and he was telling me about the flight. Now, and he, this had nothing to do with snow sports. I'm like, so you're telling me you're going to go on a plane on a plane so long. You're going to go back in time. You have to do it three or four different planes in the 24. I was like, dude, it's too much now because what he said, it was going to take him days just to get there, which I, I get it. 21st century back you know, 200 years ago, it took months. Cool. Understand. Love technology. We're progressing. We're progressing. <laughs> but I try to picture that carrying my gear. And that's why I was wondering if you ha if you rented or you carried. And I was going to say, what was that like having to pack up your gear? I know what it's like to pack it up in my car to go uh, around my area. I know what it's like to pack it up to have to fly across the country. What would it be like to do it around the world? But you didn't have to do that, thankfully, I would assume. But I have. But I have. Oh, but you have. Um, oh, true. Yeah. You said so Japan the only stuff. reason... The only reason I didn't do it for that trip is because, you know, out of the four weeks that we're traveling, only about a week or so total was for the snow. So I didn't want to have to carry boards and skis across, totally. you know, from the west to the east coast of Canada. Yeah. Um, but the times I have gone to Japan for just the snow and have gone to New Zealand, I have. I take everything totally. with me because there's, there's nothing like your own gear. Like, there's nothing like your own Absolutely. board. So. And you, and you still might rent a board for a day just to try something new. Um, okay. But, yeah, you do. And, you know, the biggest thing is, like, thank goodness for bags with wheels. Um, okay, yeah. Yeah. So, and actually the really cool thing about traveling in Japan is they have this fantastic, um, I don't even know what to call it. It's called Black Cat. That's the nickname for it because the actual company is called, like, Yamoto or something like that. But the, the logo is a black cat. So everyone just calls it black cat. And you can pay Fair. about $20 Australian. So like what, $15, $12 US. And Maybe. they will take your bag with your snowboard and all your gear from the airport. You don't even have to leave sure. the airport to the resort for you, which might be wow. three, four hours away. So you don't even have to bother. And you just rock up the next day to the resort and it will be there. That's awesome. So it means if you want to go do some sightseeing. So that's really cool for traveling with your gear in Japan. Um, mm -hmm. And then, yeah, everywhere else is just, yeah, take your big old board bag, chuck it into oversized, you know, um, luggage area and pray to God that it's not damaged on the way over, which I've had happen <laughs> once. Uh, I have. But, um, bummer. but look, I got a new board out of it. So all right. Hey, positivity. We're all about positivity exactly, here. Exactly. So, yeah, no, usually when, when Australians do travel to Japan or New Zealand or even the U.S., they will take all their gear with them, 100%. Fair enough. Well, I hope it's just, not. You get fit. You get fit. I, I hope it's not as difficult as it feels because it would feel like, because if I went to Australia, you're darn right. I'm, if I'm going that far, I'm packing everything yeah. um you know sometimes i have to wonder about the professionals but they have people that take care of their logistics and those people should be commended carrying that oh, much yeah. gear while you know these people are celebrities in our world you know exactly. they're smiling yeah. and having a good time and there's these poor suckers with skis and bags and stuff on their backs awesome all right well again bag with wheels 100 percent. or ride your ski boards kids mine are only 110 centimeters so right up under your arm 
and they're a lot of fun. I have full-size skis too, but those are a lot of fun. All right, <laughs> cool. So since her morning's going on for tomorrow, my evening is coming to a close. Let's uh, let's start to wrap it up. Nobody's princess. That's what we were talking about before. And uh, let's shout out the links. Nobody'sprincess.com.au, right? Correct. Also, just a .com for anyone that doesn't want to type in the extra three characters. Oh, okay, cool, cool. Very nice. So even just .com for, uh, for us here. That'll work because I think, God, I think the U.S. is one of the only countries that doesn't have the second dot. Yeah. It's very, I don't get it. I, I understand a little technology, but I understand that. Um, and social media, do we do that? Yeah, absolutely. Yes. And I might have followed so, you on social media. I don't know. But go ahead and shout <laughs> it out. <laughs> yeah. So uh, on social media, on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. Uh, TikTok, nice. that's interesting um nobody's princess apparel because nobody's <laughs> princess was already taken um sure so yeah definitely on all the all the socials all the websites google and it will come up <laughs> cool yeah and that's what i had to do uh for the website because it i didn't save it in my uh, bookmarks and i don't know why that didn't work again technology <laughs> wonderful thing Awesome. Thank you, Maria. That was great. Nobody'sprincess.com and .com.au. So you can buy some gear and a lot of fun talking about Australia from someone who's there. We actually did the same thing with one of our friends from England, and it was right at the time that the queen died. So we got ground level. We did a whole extra thing that had nothing to do with <laughs> snow sports. And we, I was like, dude, what is that like? Because that woman has been queen since my grandparents were around like, what yeah. was that like? Is it, you know, because here you heard all the negatives, all the social media stuff where people were like, oh, the queen is a racist and slavery and it's all this stuff. It's like, dude, the woman is dead for <laughs> alone. So that was awesome having you down there at ground level to tell us what it was like. And it was a lot of fun. We're, we're going to have to do this again. Um, sure. Maybe we'll get into the preseason when it comes back around or something. Yeah. Or if you get big enough and you end up at our one of our expos. You know, oh, I'll see you there because I'm going to Boston because that's what I do. And, you know, there's <laughs> outdoor retailer out there in Colorado and uh, there's the other expo that's out in like Utah or something. I don't even know. There's so much going on this time of year. Their year is closing out, but ours is just getting busy. Thank you, Maria. I really do appreciate that. This was awesome. No, it was absolute ball being here. Thanks for having me. At, you're very welcome. And like I said, we'll do it again sometime. You have a good morning and we'll talk to you again soon, man. See ya. And there she goes, Maria Baker from Australia, from Nobody's Princess, out there making the gear that will fit you, ladies. Check that one out if you have the time. The website is in the show notes. It is in the description, and please do not check those notes if you are driving, as I always say. Wait till you pull over. Wait till you get out of the car. You don't want that ticket or worse. I, of course, am Tim from Ski Racks Media. Thank you for listening. I told you that was a fun one, and I'm sure you had some fun with it. Tune in every week. Ski Racks Media podcast every Wednesday or Sunday's early access with no ads on Patreon. You can check that out if you would like. Patreon.com slash Ski Racks Media. Again, check out Whaleback Mountain. Awesome place. It's going to be great, especially if you have an Indie Pass, full Indie partner this year. Check out the Snowbound Expo in a couple weeks. Get those discounted tickets. Ski Rex Media is the code. And I will see you out there this season. It's looking to be a good one. I'm sure it's going to be. I'm excited. We're all talking about what we're riding for passes and where we're going to be. And it's going to be great. Have a good one, everybody. And I will see you out there later. Later.